Hello, and welcome to our podcast, TransAsia and the World. Today is our first ever episode, and we are starting out by introducing what this podcast is about and who we all are. I'm Joy Block, and I'm here in the studio today with three of my friends. We are a group of PhD students from UW-Madison who are all interested in Asia. I should note, however, that this podcast has a broader focus than just the continent of Asia. So in this episode, we'll explain what this podcast will focus on in future episodes. First, let's start out by going around and introducing ourselves. We all study different topics and areas related to Asia, so we bring different interests and knowledge to the table. Galen, can you start us off? Hi. Yeah, I'm Galen. I study modern China and the history of science, and uh, most of my work right now is on the four great inventions and uh, how this idea started in Europe, but then came over to China in modern times and became super famous. We also have Evan Wells. Hi, everybody. So I research modern China and modern Japanese history. My specific project looks at the history of the soybean trade in the early 20th century. So it's very much a transnational project in spirit of this project. So then we also have Sam Taminsky. Hi, everyone. So I am a historian of modern Japan, really post-war Japan, so that's after 45. My work is focused on the relationship between media culture and overwork in Japan. I also am interested in, you know, the political economy of labor in the post-war era. And I'm Joy Block, as I mentioned earlier. My focus is South Asia, particularly the countries of India and Pakistan. And I study the Indian and Pakistani diaspora, or immigrant communities, in the United States. My work touches on issues of citizenship, settlement, and international education, all in the early Cold War era. Would you say we all do transnational history in some way? I guess I would be the least transnational, technically. Yeah. But we'll see what my conclusion sounds like. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> So let's talk a little bit about what we're going to be doing on this podcast. How are we different than other podcasts? So most academic podcasts that I've come across anyway are some version of a book interview podcast. And we're going to do inter lots of interviewing and splicing interviews with presentations in this podcast, but we're explicitly not going to be asking our guests about a recent publication they've done or anything like that. We're going to ask them to take what they've learned from their research and years of teaching, et cetera, and try to make connect those issues to the contemporary world in which we live in, sort of get outside of the study itself and start thinking about its relevance to the world we live in today. Yeah, so getting people at the stage of like, their work is in progress, and trying to make them connect to broader themes, and uh, also putting people who study different regions next to each other in conversation with each other, as well as looking for those people who, like some of us, are pursuing like transnational topics where they're uh, showing how ideas or people move from place to place or trying to compare how a certain uh, question plays out differently in different places. And I... I think the listener will also get an idea of the different stages that happen in historical research, historical projects. So we'll have students that are just embarking on their research, um, just beginning to explore the archives and different sources. And then we'll have professors who have been researching the same 
question the same region for 20 plus years. So you, the, the listener will get a very good idea of the, the full range of what's happening in history departments. Mm-hmm. I think that's part of what I really am excited about our podcast for because a lot of the public doesn't know what people are studying and what they're learning about until they publish a book, right? That new book coming out can seem to everybody else like, oh, this is the cutting edge, but of course somebody's been working on it for five years or more. So this is kind of being able to see what people are studying before the books come out and really sort of get a a broader idea of the study that people are doing. Now, we aren't just going to be talking to historians, but we will be talking to a lot of historians, and the four of us I know are all historians ourselves or Mm -hmm. graduate students in the world of history. So our title is a little bit interesting because I don't know that everybody uses some of these words the way that we do, and specifically our term trans-Asia. So I want to open it up to you all. What would you say TransAsia means? What is it? Okay, well, when we say TransAsia, we mean transnational Asia, right? At least in part. That, least in part. that is certainly one acceptable <laughs> acceptable answer to the question, right? Yeah. yeah. So, so um, one way that transnational, a transnational approach is really great to studying Asia is you can start seeing certain things that you didn't see before. Those uh, topics like migration or uh, non-governmental organizations, empire, and uh, like technology and intellectual history, these are all topics that uh, are really hard to understand if you're just looking at China alone or Japan alone or you know Thailand. If you just stick to uh, within those boundaries, a lot of those topics won't really make very much sense. So taking a transnational approach means seeing how these these things flow and move between these kind of artificial boundaries, and it brings those things uh, to much sharper focus. Yeah, I think that's, that makes a lot of sense, Galen. And before I guess I add on another item to the list of what does transnational mean, I'd add an addendum to what you just said, which is, you know, despite agreeing 100% with what you said, we still hear lots of demarcations when people who aren't advanced scholars in whatever field of intellectual history, for example, they talk about the history of the Western world as if that is a thing that can always be invoked as cohesive and sensical to talk about a topic. I mean, your work explicitly says that's a silly thing to say. Mm-hmm. Um, or you couldn't study your what you study in that fashion. So we really want to think about... Any time about think about what do different categorical or national geographic whatever demarcations that we use for convenience sometimes, but also with a lot of intellectual meaning behind them. Just when people talk about politics or history or whatever um, outside of the academy, what exactly do those terms mean? What are you preventing yourself from being able to talk about? For what what can you not see when you when you invoke those categories? Um, so I guess now that I've said that, the an add-on, I guess one other another answer for what is what does it mean to study TransAsia, mm-hmm. is one big thing we're going to be trying to do, or at least I think we're going to try to do with this podcast, is to make Asia relevant to debates or issues that are easily transposable to multiple contexts around the world. You know, every com- country has a government. You know, that's obvious. But we're going to go a, several clicks beyond that. You know, every 
country in one form or other experiences social and political unrest. So how do different governments combat that? How do different societies do politics on the ground? What does civil society look like? These are these are some other big questions that we're going to look at that aren't necessarily as in might not be as intuitive to the layman um, to think about as a transnational thing. And I think too, some people specifically do research that they would consider as transnational, right? Where they would be questioning the kind of borders of a nation, or maybe even looking at things that cross those borders and seem to not care or not change with a changing of a country from one to another. But I think one of the things we want to do here, too, is that if somebody's work is much more nation-specific, we still want to hear about it. Mm -hmm. We're just going to put it in conversation with people who are talking about other countries particularly in Asia, so that we can look at how something like gender roles or how political violence would be sort of both comparative and maybe even crossing over, sort of having its own life outside of those national boundaries. Yeah, if we look at a a map of Asia today, it's just a collection of countries. And so we think of China, we think of Japan, we think of India, and these are well demarcated places. Our hope is that by the collection of episodes we present, we'll be showing the listener different ways to conceptualize this part of the world we call Asia. And so the listener will be able to visualize different maps of Asia that are defined by political movements or cultural ideas, philosophies, political movements that transcend those boundaries that show up on modern day maps. Mm -hmm. So we are sort of focused on Asia as a region, in a sense that's where we're we're centered or grounded. But then here we're talking about this trans-Asia beyond these kind of borders and the world right? What are we doing when we're putting TransAsia in the context of the world? So I think a lot of times when people, uh, at least I've heard several times, especially during my early training, when you, we get the question, what is transnational history versus what is global history? What is world history? Or what is trans anything versus what is world? And I think there's a lot of overlap in what those things mean. And we've chosen, so therefore like we've chosen this title to be somewhat redundant on purpose. So if something is happening internal to the Asian region or if something is happening between Asia and Europe or wherever, it is already global. So to presume that, you know, global shouldn't to the listener mean, oh, well, it happened in more than three places, therefore it's global. But if it only happened between two countries, then it's transnational. That would be artificial and miss a bit of the point. Several of our presenters are going to demonstrate that people are moving all the time through different contexts. They speak multiple languages. They have common sets of ideas and clashing sets of ideas, and they, you know, pit those against each other. So TransAsia, the entire Asian region, in the world, as part of the world, really this podcast is about everything but always with an eye to Asia, or everywhere in the world but always with an eye to Asia. The the world, what does the world or world history mean? I'm actually researching this issue right now. I, I remember in my own education in 10th grade, I took world history. I think my teacher should have been on pregnancy leave, but she wasn't. And it was 
uh, a very kind of muddled, uh, vague memory that I have of it. Somehow I wrote like a Beastie Boys rap about like ancient Greece. And we also learned about Buddhism. So, <laughs> so somehow together that added up to my world history education. You know, right now I'm studying the introduction of world history in China, like the early 1900s. It's really interesting how just the idea of what should go in the world history curriculum changes, you know. But sometimes it can be like very focused on Europe and the world just gets narrowed down to Europe. But then other times... They talk much more about like the Middle East or, or India, but of course, like Africa barely gets a mention in these new like world history textbooks. So the point is like to say the world, it really depends on your, your perspective of what's included in that. So I guess for us, like Sam was saying, we really want to uh, reach, I guess, as broadly as possible and show connections to, from the Asian region to every continent possible. Uh, connections that are often ignored. Uh, you know, like for Asia, the East-West <laughs> connection or comparison is probably like the most typical. We really want to move beyond that and show that actually there are uh, connections and, and comparisons to be drawn uh, between other continents too. So I, this is such an interesting topic because I taught world history in high school myself. And when I was doing it, I could tell that it was really sort of Western Europe centric. And yet I didn't have the tools to rethink how to tell that world history. And I know that there has been a lot of work that has gone on that has tried to recenter world history that our high schoolers are learning now. But when I came to grad school and started studying in the Indian Ocean world, it, for me, solved all sorts of problems <laughs> that I had not been able to answer my students about, like, why did mercantilism seem like a good idea to Europeans? I didn't understand what world trade was looking like during the age of exploration, and so I couldn't answer questions like that. And suddenly sort of reframing things around the Indian Ocean world during that period just made everything come together for me. So I think one of the things that we're wanting to do, we're not just trying to focus on Asia as a region. We really are trying to connect it with the other things that are going on, but we want to center how we're thinking and our story around the sort of region of Asia, unbounded by those national boundaries sometimes we can get stuck inside. The title of Trans-Asia and the World also reiterating some of the, the points you guys have talked about, emphasizes that the movement of people, ideas, and things across national borders in Asia are taking place in other parts of the world as well and are connecting Asia to the world. So the political movements that are crossing borders in Asia in the 1960s are also engaging with those uh, very similar political movements and political ideas in Europe, in Latin America, in Africa, in North America at the same time. So uh, the idea of the world isn't just geographic in nature. It also raises a thematic and conceptual point about the global nature of some of the phenomena we'll be talking about. I guess one thing I'd throw 
in here is we've been talking, I mean, all of us have commented about movement, et cetera. But one thing the, the listeners of this podcast will notice is that a lot of the guests that we bring on will have done research almost entirely on a single country. I am one of those people. <laughs> but we're going to still bring those people on. So one of our editorial tasks will be to put them in dialogue with each other. Just because something is unique to a country and the specificity of an experience for a specific set of people does not mean that that uniqueness prevents one from making comparisons. So the flower is never so unique that it is not still a flower. You know, and another reason we've actively decided to not just do transnational researchers as guests on this podcast is that one presumption that is very strong, especially in the United States even now, is that places that are not in the U.S. or in Western Europe are always either breaking from or copying something that's happened in, happening in the U.S. But just to give one example, Japan actively tried to export and did to Southeast Asia its version of like what work life is, how to organize and manage a corporation, etc. So as soon as you start looking at a place, a unique uh, history of a place, you automatically start seeing that place's attempt to export those ideas, practices, views out into the world. So, you know, you're going to also get some country-specific projects, people that are going to come in to this podcast, but they're also going to be able to demonstrate just how non-specific, specific experiences often are. Well, we hope you all join us as we explore some different topics and talk to some different scholars we are going to have series on different topics with several episodes in them. Each series, we're going to have an interview with an established scholar. And then we're going to have, oh, two to three interviews with grad students and early career scholars on the work that they're doing all related to the same topic. Now, Sam, what are some of the topics and people that we have coming up? So uh, our first segment is going to be sort of an extension of the of this introduction. So our first two interviewees will be Professor Viren Murthy and Professor Shelley Chan, both from uh, our faculty here at UW-Madison, and they have vastly different scholarly approaches to the study of history, and we're going to ask them to basically answer some of the questions that we've answered in this, in this introductory episode. Um, so they'll be the first two um, that will follow, be in your feed right after us. Then we have our first sort of proper segment will be on the theme of political violence. Um, we have a wonderful interview with Professor William Marotti from the University of California, Los Angeles. He is a Japan specialist, but he is a extremely well-read and knowledgeable person on all things 1960s, all things political protest, etc. So, uh, so we'll have him... And then several grad students, all of whom are going to talk about transnational activism in some fashion in Germany, Japan, I believe a little bit in the U.S. and also Latin America. So that one's going to be absolutely wonderful. And then our second segment, which for y'all would not be coming out and technically until the fall, will be on the theme of gender. We'll have an interview with Professor Ayako Kano from the University of Pennsylvania and she is a brilliant scholar of gender and really has a lot of interesting and useful ideas in terms of thinking about how feminism, gender-related activism has evolved 
uh, over the course of the 20th century, and she'll be talking a lot about some of the more recent global movements we've seen, for example, Me Too. And I think we're going to have a few interludes as we go along. I know we have one upcoming interlude on North Korea and what's going on there. So tune in to hear some interesting scholars and their thoughts on these various topics. Now, we do take solicitations. So if you are a scholar and you're interested in talking about a subject that you study, how would they get a hold of us, Evan? How would, how would they do that? Well, they can get a hold of us a couple different ways. We have an email account, transasiapod at gmail.com. That's T-R-A-N-S-A-S-I-A-P-O-D at gmail.com. They can also check out our website, transasiapod.wordpress.com, or they can check out our Twitter. Yes, we're on Twitter, at transasiapod. <laughs> I would also note that after each professor interview, there will also be some suggested articles and other types of things that the interviewees have provided to us for those who want to follow up and, you know, study after you hear us chat and say a bunch of things. So if you get ex really excited about a topic, we'll be able to send you off to your library to learn more about it. Now, uh, we'll be releasing a new episode twice a month. So yeah, we should take look out for whatever we are uploading. Right, so we'll release... <laughs> we'll <laughs> so our podcast will be coming out every Thursday. Um, so two Thursdays... Every other Thursday. So um, we will take brief hiatus during the uh, winter holidays, but we will notify you all when that happens. All right. Well, join with us next time to learn more about TransAsia and the world. Our podcast is sponsored by UW-Madison's Department of History, and our podcast artwork is designed and created by Kat Randall. <laughs>